I'm Mike Vardy. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepassword.com slash productive convo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there, and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now... You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. And this is the Productivityist Podcast. (music) 
Welcome to the Productivities Podcast. I am your host, Mike Vardy, and this week on the show, Mark Lavercombe joins me. He is the productive physician. He's a specialist physician and a medical educator, and he writes on productivity at The Productive Physician. He also writes about clinical education and leadership there. And he believes that the key to success as a professional can be unlocked by improving personal productivity, habits, and mindset. So we're not too different, except he's a doctor, and I'm not. And he writes incredibly epic, deep content as well. I encourage you to check out all of the stuff he's written. Of course, you can do that in the show notes. But right now, I encourage you to listen to my conversation with Mark Lavercombe here on the Productivityist Podcast. I'd like to welcome the productive physician, Mark Lavercombe, to the podcast. Mark, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Mark. It's a real thrill. Thank you. So before we started uh, recording, we started talking about doctors and productivity and time management. And um, we're not going to spend a lot of time in there today, other than maybe we talk about how you got started. And, you know, you've written a post about this called Why Productivity for for Physicians. But um, we're talking about my doctor. My doctor is very... um, I love my doctor because he's very task oriented. He, if you're in with him and he loves to talk, I mean, he also loves to talk to me about the places I go and, and he's, he's fascinated by what I, what I do, but also it's just, I get great care from him. And I guess this lends itself nicely into what you do because you've got, again, why productivity for physicians? Like how would a, how do you define it for yourself? How do you find, define productivity for yourself? And then why, why did you go down this road of being the productive physician? Sure. So um, I guess in my head, there's two types of um, productivity physicians. If you, you know, search in Google, you're going to find a whole bunch of things about, um, you know, productivity metrics in terms of number of patients seen per minute or hour or whatever it is. And a lot of that comes out of the States where, as, a, as you and I were just briefly talking about before the recording, um, uh, you know, people are hired and fired seemingly based on <clears throat> what their productivity is. And I don't find that personally to be a predictive, uh, a particularly helpful um, idea. Uh, in Australia and in Canada, things are a little bit different. Um, uh, but I think the productivity for physicians that I'm sort of more interested in is is more of the personal productivity stuff about how to be better, how to be more efficient and effective at what we do. And I guess um, the genesis of that came from uh, a former mentor of mine. So I was a trainee working in a, in a hospital in Melbourne. And, um, and as I finished that year, the professor who I was training with gave me a copy of Getting Things Done by David Allen, which um, I thought was a nice gift. And it sat on a shelf for probably two years, I think, before I opened it. Um, I was a little bit skeptical. Um, and I, I read it, though, and, you know, a lot of the ideas really resonated. Um, and I know, you know, you've been down the getting things done road and sort of left that behind. And in some respects, I'm not doing strict GTD anymore. I'm I'm doing a, a hybrid, you know, Mark Lavacombe sort of version of, of keeping things online. But uh, reading Getting Things Done was really the genesis um, or the origin of where uh, my interest started. So that was uh, six, seven, eight years ago, I think. Um, and at the time, I, I actually um, I was interested in computer programming a little bit in, as a sort of a hobby. And so I created my own task manager, um, which you know I ran on a server at home and I logged into from my you know from my workplaces and saw what I was doing. And, 
that was fun until the server crashed and I lost all my data and uh, mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm now using Todoist. But um, so, look, I think after a few years of having my own sort of hybrid um, or, or developing just gradually over time my, my approach, um, I started reading more and, and I came across um, the 12-week year and, and I tried one of those out and it was such a great experience. I, I um, really achieved a lot in that period. So I thought, you know, I've got to write this up. And uh, so I decided to start a blog and I, I, you know, put a bit of work into that post and I wrote a few, a few little things about, um, you know, why and, and what might be important to measure for, for doctors um, and, you know, gradually since then, I've been adding a little bit more content to the, to the website and, and thinking more and, uh, here we are. So, you know, it's interesting as you're talking about this, I started to think about the idea of diagnosis, right? Like a lot of people, when they are trying to become more productive or they're trying to, you know, live with more intention and, and find ways to pay attention to those intentions, they end up, you know, kind of putting band-aids on things for lack of like, like the, like you're, you, you built an app that worked for you and that until it didn't. Right. Uh, yep. And you had approach. So I think, you know, it's interesting because you chronicle your journey about, you know, it's, it's approach centric as opposed to app centric. What, you know, what do you think when it comes to people looking at their, their, their productivity, and we'll, we don't have to focus on physicians in particular, but this idea of like, when you were investigating your productivity, when you've talked to other people and come across other people investing in their productivity, like what do they often misdiagnose the problem? You know, are they, are they, are they going for that quick bandaid solution? And, and what do you, what have you done to kind of keep that at bay as your journeys continued? Sure. So, I, I mean, I think that's a, that's a good question. The, to me, it seems that um, for me and probably for other people, um, you know, like you say, Band-Aid solution that seems to work. The, the real question is getting to, um, to me, is to the why of things. Um, and, you know, a lot of productivity people talk about intentionality and, 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 you know, it's a bit of a buzzword. But to me, knowing why you're doing something and what, uh, what it's for and what it's towards um, is kind of the key to everything, right? So if you, if you are doing something because that's how it's always done and that's because that's what you've got to do and so on, you're likely to be less motivated um, and, or you may well be less motivated and, and probably less effective than if you really believe in what you're trying to do and you understand why you're doing it. Um, I think in terms of the, um, you know, the productivity missteps that we take a lot of the time to me anyway, and I, and I'm still learning, I'm, I'm not you, I'm not a, a, a leader in this field. I'm a, I'm a learner, but, um, if a lot of the times for me, it seems that, uh, you know, we develop these sort of habits that are often maladaptive, um, by which I mean, you know, we we have our email sitting open all day because we think that, or we don't even think, but we kind of subconsciously assume that by uh, seeing new emails come in, we're going to be more efficient um, by answering them on the spot, whereas probably the best practices, a lot of people would say to check it a couple of times a day and, you know, have your head out of your inbox. Um, so that's sort of a maladaptive response to these constant um, prompts uh, of demands on our time or whatever it is. Um, so I think for a lot of people, but certainly for me, um, 
it's been a matter of trying to actually understand why I do the things the way that I'm doing them um, rather than just going with the status quo, um, you know, rather than just accepting, okay, I'm going to be constantly, you know, under these pressures and I'm going to constantly being answerable to these um particular apps or whatever, how do I want to use them um, so that they serve me rather than me serving them? How do you avoid being, um, you know, reactive in, in your vocation uh, when when I think a lot of it, like, d- does a lot of wor- the, the work in your field push you in this sense of urgency versus importance? Or are you, uh, like you mentioned, you're a learner. Are you able? Are you able to kind of shift away from that or were you ever in that position where it was you know you were trying to balance that oh look i mean it's a constant balance um i remember at the time of qualifying as a as a specialist that you know one of the main things that i was most grateful for for, from finishing my training was that i was going to be handing my pager back to the hospital um because i just was at a point where i couldn't take having that constant um, sense that someone was about to call on me um, rather than being able to define my time um, in the way that I wanted to. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's quite intrusive and, and frustrating and I get why it's necessary. The system, that's how things work, right? I mean, you know, people have to be available. I have to be able to give opinions and go and see patients and, and deal with things. But, you know, the relief that I had when I handed that pager over was probably the biggest um, relief <laughs> as part of qualifying um, was, you know, I, I can now choose how I want to practice. Um, and, of course, mobile phones, cell phones have, have changed that landscape a little bit. Um, but even now, I mean, I think last year I got to the end of the year and uh, and I was really quite burnt out. I, I mentioned to you I've just had a, a couple of weeks holiday with a family in, in the Australian summer and that's been really rejuvenating. And I've sat down with my head of department and since coming, coming back to work and with some other colleagues in my department and really tried to restructure our um, ward service, our on-call um, for myself so that it's a bit less onerous this year. Um, you know, so as a response to some reflection over summer about how I coped with um, 2017, I'm hoping that I can make 2018 a little bit less um, of a burden in that regard, and that will then free me up to do um, the other things that I enjoy or, or prioritise about my work, like teaching or even research. We're going to take a quick break from the show to talk about something that really cool that's happening with the podcast. And that, of course, is the other places that you can listen to the podcast. So, of course, you can listen to it in iTunes, as you normally can, Stitcher, of course. But we are also on Spotify. So if you're a Spotify user, you can listen to the Productivities Podcast on Spotify. And we have also now introduced the Productivities Podcast through Alexa. So if you got an Alexa and you want to listen to the show that way, you can just add it to your flash briefings and boom, 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 you're set, ready to go. So there are a multitude of ways to get your daily dose, your weekly dose rather, you could get your daily dose too. Maybe there's some stuff going on behind the scenes there too, but the weekly dose of the Productivity podcast right through so many different ways. So again, if you're a Spotify uh, user and you really like to listen to your shows there, head over to Spotify and just look for the Productivity podcast there. And if you are using an Amazon Alexa and you just are, you know, you want, you're doing the dishes and you want to listen to the show, then you can just say, Hey, Alexa, 
uh, play my flash briefings or play the Productivities Podcast, and boom, it'll be there for you. So I encourage you to check that out. Thanks for listening to the show, and now let's get back to it. Let's talk about like this idea of crafting and creating the life that you want because you talked about the why, and I think that's really important. You've got a post here uh, about a personal mission statement and creating one, and and I think uh, you know in my experience dealing with a lot of people that they that are that are thinking about like vision statements and mission statements is they get stuck because they just feel like they're too onerous or they're going to be. Uh, too much of a challenge or they can't quite encapsulate it in one you know, fell swoop. Um, w- let's dive into that a little bit, because I think that, you know, as you're exploring your why, especially as you said, you want to you shift into 2018 or the new year, the new calendar year uh, with, with, you know, this sense of doing more of those things and then having the life you want. What, like, what are your, what's your, what's your path for this, for, for yourself and for those, the, the path that they rec- you recommend they take? Sure. So I guess I'm, I'm approaching this year slightly differently to how I have in the past. I actually invested in um, the Best Year Ever program with mm-hmm. Michael Hyatt. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm almost finished that now. I've been a little slow on it. You know, it's the end of January as we're recording, so uh, uh, I better get my uh, my uh, get better get a move on. But um, look, I guess um, so. What I've what I've been doing is a lot of reflecting on uh, 2017 and uh, how it went well and how it didn't go well. Um, and so, so trying to, I guess, then identify what do I want to achieve this year and, and more particularly why, because I think that does appear to affect your chance of goal attainment, right? Is, mm-hmm. is, uh, how strong the why is and how it resonates with you. And, and when you get to that point of, um, saying this is hard or I'm tired or, you know, I've just been on call for this period and I'm exhausted and I can't do that thing. Um, you know, the why is the thing that seems to be likely to keep you on track, right? So really linking the the goal with the why. Um, and then what I'm planning is to, I mentioned the 12-week year before, I'm planning to schedule three blocks uh, through 2018 um, starting at the start of February, um, with gaps in between. So, uh, three, almost, I guess, three month, um, not sprints, but, um, focused blocks to work on a couple of the particular goals, um, that I identified through doing the best year ever. So that's kind of my approach to 2018. And I'll probably write up what happens, uh, with that. My, my reaction so far to working through Michael Hyatt's program is is really that um, linking the the why am I doing this? What's the motivation? And you know what's the the kind of the need? What's the the emotional and intellectual basis for this goal? Um, is really helping to clarify my thinking. Um, so I'm really hoping that this is going to be a a productive and effective year, but I, I guess time's going to tell. The other part, I guess, um, in terms of personal mission statements, I think, um, uh, you know, I had someone write to me recently. They've they've just started doing theirs, um, and you know, a doctor who who's trying to figure out what he wants to do a bit more clearly, and that's his goal for 2018 is to achieve some clarity and 
what he wants his um, professional world to be like. Um, and so he's he's planning to sit down and, and look through um, some of the resources that I mentioned in that post. The, you know, Stephen Covey's obviously um, the, the guru there, but also uh, some other books and, and really just think about what what's the um, what's the core uh, that he feels about his life, his family, his work, uh, and that's certainly what I, I think is when I'm trying to clarify my mission is, you know, what are the really important things rather than what are the things that uh, I'm told are important. Um, by which I mean what are the obligations that my workplace or my family or society puts on me versus the things that I feel um, are really important and need to be prioritised um, and then trying to embed that concept into decision-making. Uh, I think the personal mission statement, it's a structure. You may or may not like it. You mentioned that, you know, sometimes people feel it's a bit overwhelming and, and, and you know, I don't think it's necessarily for everyone, but I think going through a guided um, process where you think about what do you really value, what do you really feel is important, and how do those values inform your decision-making about the things you do and don't take on and, and the things you prioritise ahead of other things is really valuable. Let's let's dive into something a bit deeper before we wrap up. Because And by the way, the links to the, the guide that you've got is in the show notes and it's it's really robust so if you're if you're looking to create that that personal uh mission statement definitely check check out mark's post Thank here you. um so this this piggybacks on top of the obviously the idea of a mission statement um is you i have a deep work day my deep work day is friday and i i when i have a deep work day no appointments you know and if there is there happens to be one it's more of an abstraction than anything else uh you you've mentioned Cal Newport in your in your blog post and in your in your work. Um, let's talk a little bit about deep work. And, and I think that what I'd like to find out is is how in the world with with the demands of the of what you know what I can see. And again, this is me from the outside of what the life of a physician would be like. How in the world does deep work happen? And if it doesn't, how do you how do you how do you make it happen? I think it's a really good question because I think it is really hard and I am really struggling with it, <laughs> um, to be blunt. I mean, I think um, my schedule now is about as stable as it's been ever um, in my career. You know, I, I know what I'm doing day to day, which uh, makes it a little bit easier. But a few years ago, I worked for three different hospitals and had a private practice. Um, so trying to shuttle from one place to the other and, uh, you know, meet the demands of each um, appointment, um, my private practice, and then schedule time for things that I wanted to work on is really difficult. So I think one of the things that I've I've done is a bit more scheduling, um, a bit more, um, you know, calendar blocking. Mm -hmm. um, I guess that goes out the window when um, things, emergency things happen, right? So if I'm, if I'm actually on uh, for a period of, uh, you know, ward service where I'm the, the specialist looking after the, the junior staff and, and the patients for that period of time, um, I really have very little control over my time. Um, so as much as I might like to schedule an appointment with myself to, to do a block of deep work, uh, if things happen and patients need, 
you know, my input, then that has to win, right? So, um, but then I guess the flip side of that is, you know, I have nine months of the year where I'm not doing that. Um, and that's a good chunk of time. And, you know, maybe in that period of time, I'm able to schedule time, block it out. And uh, I've tried to start to make it clearer, you know, closing my office door, those sorts of things to just put up a little bit of barriers to um, demarcate, that, demarcate out that time for myself. Um, but look, I think this is really hard. Um, I I actually just conducted my first uh, interview for my website, which is not yet published, but hopefully will be soon, uh, with a couple of doctors from Canada, as it happens. Mm. Uh, they published an article recently about uh, personal productivity um, strategies for doctors in you know the the top tier journal in their their specialty gastroenterology. They mentioned you uh, and this podcast, and they mentioned my website and, and a few other resources. So I, I got on the phone with them and we had a long chat about it and, you know, they've got different strategies as well. So, you know, each of them has an assistant that they've um, spoken to and they've got a nurse practitioner that they work with and so they funnel a lot of the urgent uh, requests for their time through those people mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they've set up very clear strategies that, okay, well, um uh, you know, if if it's an urgent thing and a patient needs something right now, then this is my phone number and, you know, you need to call me. If it's something that is a less urgent thing, then can we have a check-in time, you know, once a day where we go through all of the things that have come up? And then we will have a formal meeting once a week where we go through all of the problems that need, you know, a signature or an appointment to be scheduled or whatever it is that wasn't urgent. So those guys seem to be uh, developing a pretty robust strategy for managing the the urgent um, so that they can keep their important um, alive. Uh, and in and in those cases, it's it's research. I think for me, it's probably teaching more. Mm -hmm. um, but I think uh, you know we all have different hats. I think one of the the real blessings about being a physician is that I get to do clinical work and I get to teach, which I love. Um, and I could do research. Um, you know, there's, there's a variety of different hats, so it's not all about one thing. Um, but then keeping those things uh, somewhat intact and keeping the, you know, the, the less urgent but still very important things like research going while I'm trying to uh, uh, keep on track with sick patients is a constant juggle. Um, but yeah, these these doctors that I've interviewed, Eric Benchamol and Richard Kaiser, they they seem to be uh, exa examples of how it could be done. Well, we'll be sure to add this link because by the time this episode is published after recording, it should be up. I would imagine, right? Yeah, that's right. I'll so, send it to you. Yeah, so yeah, and that way we, that way we can have it in there for people to read. So. Um, it, Mark, thanks so much for taking the time today. We've got a bonus episode coming up uh, that's going to talk about some email strategies because, uh, you know, we always give additional value to our members. So sure. uh, if you want to go to productivities.com slash membership and sign up, you'll be able to get the bonus episode. But Mark, where can people find you uh, and learn more about your work and read more about what you're doing, uh, it, you know, whether they're physicians or not? 
Yeah, of course. So, I mean, I think that's important to say is that, I mean, a lot of productivity advice is obviously applicable to anyone. Um, it's generic and it's and it's transferable or at least tweakable to your particular scenario. And I'm not only writing about things that apply to physicians, although I think I am probably, uh, you know, that's what I am. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's easier to make it personal and uh, and applicable to my scenario. And, and I think people resonate with... Uh, or, you know, personal stories resonate with people. So um, the Productive Physician uh, is the website. It's productivephysician.com. Um, I'm on Twitter, at Productive Phys, um, on Facebook, but it's all linked up out of um, productivephysician.com. So that's probably the first starting point. Awesome. Awesome. Mark, thanks so much for joining me today on the podcast. Really appreciate oh, it. Thank you, Mark. It's a pleasure. Thank you. There you have it, my chat with Mark. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you go back and read some of the uh, links that we have in the show notes, including some of the, you know, why, you know, why, if you're a physician, why productivity matters for you, um, you know, the different things, like a mission statement, all the stuff that he's got. It's a very rich site, full of rich content. So go to productivephysician.com and look around. But of course, everything that we have is in the show notes as well. A big thanks to John Polstra for producing this episode. Thanks to you for listening. Until next time, I am Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivityist podcast and the founder of Productivityist, reminding you to stop guessing and start going. <laughs>